Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 18, Resilience. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Hey everybody. Wow, what is going on? So much has happened since I last talked with you. How are you? You hanging in there? This has been quite the roller coaster, but I find, as you probably have too, that the less news I watch around this whole coronavirus thing, the better I feel. So I'm trying to stay informed, but I'm definitely choosing my sources very carefully right now. I do have to say that I'm kind of a homebody anyway, so having things canceled and having to slow down and stay inside doesn't really sound so bad to me. Although, talk to me in a week, and we'll see how I'm feeling about it. Um, Sunday, we had our first at-home soccer meeting, um, and as many of you did, I'm sure. And I have to say, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was actually a really beautiful experience. And I know that our family will will really remember it as a special opportunity. And I just felt like the whole day overall was really peaceful and sweet, probably because we did turn off all media, and we didn't have anywhere to go. So it was just kind of a really nice day. Um, I've also had the opportunity to use a lot of the thought work that I teach um, on myself and also to help members of my family and some of my friends and clients to feel a little less anxious and a little more peace with everything going on. This is where all of the stuff we talk about on this podcast becomes very real, right? It's an opportunity to put into practice these principles and tools that have been proven to bring mental and emotional stability and strength. These principles apply all the time for sure, but especially when things get crazy and hard and uncertain, right? So I think it's crucial for us to really learn how to use these tools and strategies to help ourselves and our families navigate um, our challenges. Okay, so let's get going with our topic for today, and that's resilience. And I've been thinking about this topic for a while now, actually. I started this podcast um, over a month ago. And I think now more than ever, we have the opportunity to really cultivate resilience within ourselves and to teach that to our children as well. We live in a world where things happen all of the time that we have no control over, right? We're feeling that right now. We live in a world where hard things happen. But as I've mentioned before, we were not sent here to become victims to our circumstances. We were given the power of agency or the ability to choose what we will make of them. So I love a quote from Viktor Frankl. He was a Jewish psychologist and Holocaust survivor. I might have talked about him before on this podcast, but he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And if you haven't read his book, Man's Search for Meaning, go get it. It's really one of my top recommendations of all time. But as Holocaust prisoners, Dr. Frankel and his family suffered beyond what most of us could even imagine. And yet he recognized and taught about the human capacity to choose our attitudes and our actions in the most dire of circumstances. And I think that when you read about what he experienced, his words take on a whole new meaning. His assertion that we have the power to choose our thoughts was not just cliche. He was not saying this lightly. Dr. Frankel witnessed this every day in those concentration camps. He saw people choosing how they would respond to their circumstances. So knowing this is important for us in our everyday lives too, right? And yes, sometimes we'll be faced with pretty big challenges. We will have heartache and pain. And it's good for us to remember 
um, all of this in these in those times. But more often, we are faced with lots of little opportunities to practice this in our daily living. We are choosing every day the thoughts we'll think about our family members, about people at work or at school or at church, and the things that they say and do. Uh, we choose our thoughts about our homes, about our neighborhoods, and the cities that we live in. We choose our thoughts about the things we see on social media or on the news. And it's estimated that we think about 70 to 80,000 thoughts per day. So that's an average around of around 3,000 thoughts an hour. That is crazy. And knowing that our thoughts are influencing how we feel and how we act shows us how especially important it is to be aware of what those thoughts are and to choose them wisely. We can recognize that we do have the opportunity to choose what we'll think in, our, in response to our circumstance. And this takes mindfulness, it takes practice, it takes deliberate choices, but I believe that this is one of the most important skills that we can develop. So I love the analogy I heard the other day of how we are learning to drive our brains like we would learn to drive a car. We know that we came to earth to receive a more mortal body, right? We didn't have one of those in the pre-existence. We were spirits. Um, we didn't have a physical brain either. We were intelligences, eternal intelligences, right? We didn't have an actual physical brain. So this human carnal mind is kind of new to us. And I think one of the purposes of this life is to learn how to use and direct our human brains toward God and his higher perspective and his higher ways. He's the one who designed your brain, right? It was created by him. So just like we're all designed to develop and grow physically, we are designed to develop and grow mentally as well. And just like we learn to drive a car, we are in the process of learning how to drive our minds or our brains, right? How to use them more effectively and more deliberately and more positively in our lives. So that's a good foundation, I think, to move us on to our topic of today, which is resilience. And resilience is something that's helpful in any situation, right? We don't have to be experiencing a global emergency to talk about it or to develop it. But challenges are a great way to build resilience within ourselves. So that's what I wanted to talk about with you today. So what is resilience? Resilience is the ability to recover from misfortune, to bounce back from difficulties, and to take your challenges and transform them into a positive catalyst for growth. So don't you love that idea of our misfortunes, our difficulties, our challenges being a positive catalyst for our growth and our change? So what does this mean exactly? Let's dive into it a little bit. Why do we have challenges? If somebody asked you that question, what would you answer? Why isn't life just smooth and easy and fun all the time? Well, you know what you would say, probably. What you, would, um, you would probably know from your own experience that it's the hard things in life that help you to grow, um, that help you to become the next version of yourself. It's the challenges that help you to see that you can do much more than you thought you could. So President Dallin H. Oaks said, All of us face obstacles. All of us have challenges. We all walk paths that lead us toward heights we think we cannot ascend. Sooner or later, we all stand at the foot of cliffs we think we cannot scale. And um, another quote from Elder Richard G. Scott, he said, Just when all seems to be going right, challenges often come in multiple doses applied simultaneously. When those trials are not consequences of your disobedience, they are evidence that the Lord feels you are prepared to grow more. He therefore gives you experiences that stimulate growth, understanding, and compassion, which polish you for your everlasting benefit. To get from where you are to where he wants you to be requires a lot of stretching, and that generally entails discomfort and pain. So that's probably along the lines of what you're thinking, right? That trials and challenges are there for our growth and for our benefit, even when they don't feel that way at all. But if you could see the difficult things that happen to you in this way, how would you approach them differently? How would your perspective change if you could really believe that? 
There was a beautiful um, BYU devotional address given back in October of last year that talks about our challenges and why our lives here on earth seem to be riddled with so many of them. And the talk is called Why Mountains. It was given by Michael Dunn. And if you get a chance, go listen to it. It's really good. Um, And I'm going to read you one of my favorite parts. He said, Since the beginning, one of the reasons we don't just admire mountains but feel so compelled to climb and conquer them is because of the fundamental and foundational truth that as eternally progressing beings, we are predisposed to take on challenges. That is an essential underpinning of God's plan of happiness. So you and I are divinely engineered to be dynamic and not static. Being in motion is requisite to progression. And even and so even hard and uphill journeys like life, for instance, can't help but foster and develop both our progress and a priceless byproduct of that effort, faith. And then he says, travel limited to flat or inclined roads impedes our progression and can even foster laziness. So think of mountains and the inherent challenge they pose as being good for our souls, learning how to deal with and overcome things that we perceive as hard, betters, and improves us. Don't you love that? And when he says we are divinely engineered to be dynamic, to change, to improve, to progress toward our eternal potential, and that our challenges and our uphill climbs are what are going to get us there. They are in our lives to move us forward, to accelerate our progress, not to paralyze or discourage or hinder us. So when we understand who we are as God's children and why we're here on this earth and what we really are capable of, it can change our perspective and the way we experience our lives. And I think sometimes if we're looking for them, we can get little glimpses of this process. And those little insights into our eternal potential can really make all the difference when we're faced with those uphill climbs. If our life was easy and we didn't have to deal with the obstacles, there'd be no way for us to get stronger, right? Kind of like our muscles. Our muscles are resilient. The more resistance they experience, the more they are challenged, the stronger they get. Our muscles break down a little when subjected to stress, but then they are designed to rebuild themselves, to come back even stronger and more capable with even more endurance than before. And this is how we are. Only we need to be a little more deliberate in our challenges, right? We get to choose what we'll do with with that resistance we're presented with, whether we will let it overwhelm and paralyze us or whether we'll use it to become stronger mentally and emotionally. Many times our automatic responses to challenges are to retreat, to fear, to panic, um, to distract ourselves from experiencing the emotions that we need to process through to develop that mental and emotional strength. So this is where we have the opportunity to use our agency, like Dr. Frankel said, to choose how we will respond to our circumstances. So let's talk about some practical ways we can cultivate resilience. There are several basic principles of resilience, and I loved a TED Talk that I remember hearing a while back, and I just recently listened to it again. It's by a woman named Lucy Hone, and it's called Three Secrets of Resilient People. And her talk is really amazing. She tells about her experience with resilience after um, after experiencing a great tragedy in her life. And I just love the principles that she suggests. Um, and I've actually applied these concepts to my own life, and they've been really powerful. So I wanted to share them with you today and kind of add a little bit of my own take on them and what I've learned about resilience by applying them in my own life. I've found that they have really helped me to clean up my mind and keep myself from that unnecessary suffering when I've been in a challenging or difficult situation. Okay, so here we go. The first step in building resilience is to understand and accept that challenges are just a part of being human. 
I hear this described in different ways, like we're here to experience opposition, that life is supposed to be 50-50, right? Half positive, half negative. We're told in the church that we're here to experience challenges like we just talked about and that hard things happen to all of us so that we can learn and grow and become more like our Heavenly Father. We are told that suffering is sanctifying and that God lets his children, who he loves, experience really hard things now for um, our eternal good. So we know that pain, loss, and suffering are just natural consequences of being human. And if we know this, these are kind of the typical Sunday school answers, right? Then why are these experiences so hard? Why do they throw us for a loop like they do? Well, I know in my own life that when I'm going through something really challenging um, or disappointing or when one of my loved ones is suffering, I've learned that I can compound the difficulty of the experience by what I'm making it mean. I love knowing that we have a loving Heavenly Father who is there to help us and to hear our prayers and to guide us, but sometimes when we don't get the result we are hoping for or our prayers for help seem to go unheard or unanswered, we sometimes assume things that can cause us to feel even more pain. We can make it mean something about us, that we don't have enough faith, that we aren't good enough or righteous enough to deserve God's help. Or maybe we think that we've disappointed God in some way and so he isn't granting the thing that we want. Or we can make it mean something about God, maybe that he isn't as loving as we thought if he allows suffering, or that he's trying to punish us for our mistakes, or maybe that he favors some of his children over others, or some may question whether he even exists at all. We can come up with some pretty painful thoughts, can't we? And I've talked about before about um, layering emotions when we're feeling one emotion, like maybe we're feeling sadness or disappointment. And then um, if we think our prayers aren't being answered in in the way we want because we aren't worthy or that God doesn't love us, we might feel ashamed. Or maybe we think God has abandoned or forgotten us, and so we pile some resentment on there too. And so instead of just feeling sad or disappointed, now we have even more negative emotions heaped on us, which cause us even more suffering. So yes, we are human. We are going to experience opposition. We are going to have trials and tough times. And it's important to recognize and accept this. And I think that knowing that this life isn't the end, that this life is more of a classroom for us to learn important lessons, then a final destination is really huge. I love how President Boyd K. Packer compares our lives to a three-act play. He says the first act was our pre-mortal existence, um, and the second act is here, in this life now. And this life isn't the end. What happens in the second act of a play? It's the conflict, right? President Packer says, remember this, the line, and they lived happily ever after, is never written into the second act. That line belongs in the third act, when the mysteries are solved and everything is put right. And then he goes on to say, Do not suppose that God willfully causes that, which for his own purposes he permits. When you know the plan and the purpose of it, even all these things will manifest a loving Father in heaven. And I remember hearing um, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland commenting that there is something at work in suffering that is exalting that suffering sanctifies us. So yes, there is the pain that comes from being human. And be careful about the extra pain you may be causing yourself by thinking that God must not love you or that he's not listening to you or that you're being punished or if you are the people you love suffer or that the things that are happening shouldn't be happening. That is a trap of the adversary, I think. Our trials and challenges can be times for faith and for learning and for growth if we trust God and accept that sometimes we have to go through hard Um, and even things that might seem impossible to bear. 
But these experiences can show us what we're really made of and that our capacity to handle challenges is probably much higher than we think it is. It's the challenges in our lives that shape us into who we really are, right? It's the challenges of life that that allow us to rise above our kind of self-imposed expectations and limits um, and to see our true strengths and abilities and potential. So accepting that trials and challenges are a part of every human experience can bring what a scripture in the New Testament, um, it's in Philippians, describes as the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And what this verse is telling us is that through the Savior, we can feel peace in our hearts and in our minds, even in circumstances where it doesn't make any sense that we would feel peace. And I've experienced that, and maybe you have too. It's a pretty remarkable thing to be able to feel peace in a situation where that emotion doesn't seem to make sense. And I think that's one of the miracles of the atonement, is that we can feel peace and comfort and strength um, in the smaller day-to-day challenges as well as in our greatest trials. Okay, so the second principle of resilience is that resilient people are able to identify and focus on the good. And I think this quote from President Russell M. Nelson is possibly the most shared and repeated quote I've ever heard from a prophet or any other general authority, and I love it. He says, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. And this is true, as we look at the mind and the relationship between our thoughts and our feelings, we can see that how we are feeling is influenced by our thinking or what we're focusing on, right? And so if we are focused on the hard things, if we are in the habit of noticing things that are going wrong, our lives are going to feel very hard, aren't they? We're probably going to feel very weighed down and depressed and even hopeless at times. But as President Nelson said, our joy which is an emotion we feel, right, has little to do with our circumstances, which is what's happening to or around us, and everything to do with what we are focused on, which is what we're allowing our mind to think. So what happens when we're focusing on the good? How is that going to affect how we feel? We are going to generate very different emotions if we're in the habit of noticing the positive in our lives, right? Feelings like gratitude, peace, love, security, abundance, And I've seen this on social media, people posting the good, the kind, the funny, the uplifting, the inspiring, and what a difference it makes to turn our attention to the positive that's going on in the world rather than the negative. And we hear about um, the effect gratitude journals have for increasing happiness, right? Well, there's a reason for this. Listing things that we're grateful for is a way of focusing on the good in our lives. And one of my favorite ways to do this is to notice and write down a list of good things specific to that particular day. So sometimes just making a gratitude list can get a little generic or repetitive. Um, We can probably rattle off the top of our heads the typical things that we would have on our list, which don't get me wrong, I'm certainly grateful every day for my family and for my home and for the gospel and for food and water. These are not things I take for granted, for sure. Um, And I'm genuinely very thankful for them. But I find that when I get a little more specific about what I'm grateful for, um, this exercise can be even more powerful and more positive. Like maybe um, I'm grateful for the cute conversation I had um, walking my 10-year-old to school that morning. Or I noticed the positive attitude that my 15-year-old had as I drove him to early morning seminary that day. Um, I may be grateful for a talk or a podcast I happened upon that was just what I needed to hear. Um, I might notice how the kindness of the cashier, I might notice the, the kindness of the cashier at the store or be thankful that my family was actually all home at the same time and then we could sit down together for dinner. 
So when I look for the good things, little and big, I realize how much good there really is in my life. And in fact, I was just having this conversation with a client. We were talking about how some days um, it's easy to just label as hard days. But when we go back and really look for the good in that day, we can find it. And sometimes um, those days we label as rough could actually be really good days. My oldest daughter and I were talking about this when she was home for Christmas a few months ago. We were kind of laughing and lamenting about what a rough year 2019 had been. Um, We really had some tough challenges individually and as a family. And she and I were joking that if we'd sent out a Christmas card, which we actually did not get around to, that instead of listing the fun, happy highlights of the year that you usually see, on Christmas on a Christmas card, we could come up with a pretty good list of things that had made for a, a very tough year. A lot of things that were really bummers. And it was actually funny, actually, in hindsight, to look at this list and to think, really, this all happened to us within a year? But then when we took a little inventory um, of the good things that happened, we actually had some really, really great things happen in 2019. Awesome things, actually. And I thought about how easy and natural it is for us as humans to just focus on the hard and the negative, but how much better we feel when we really accentuate the positive and the blessings and the good things we experience. Really does make a difference. My mother-in-law taught me a great lesson um, in looking for the good a few years ago. She has a little family cabin up in the mountains of southern Utah that was built by her parents back in the 1950s, and we've been going up there with the kids for years, Um, and it's a really special place for our family with lots of great memories, and back in June of 2017, that area experienced a really devastating forest fire that ended up burning over 70,000 acres. Well, this little cabin that sits right at the edge of the Forest Service property line came within about 10 feet of being devoured by this fire. And the fact that it survived along with the surrounding cabins is pretty much a miracle. And it's a great story for another day. But needless to say, we were all very grateful and relieved that this little cabin with so much family history and significance was preserved. Well, we headed up a month or so after everything had kind of calmed down. And that drive up through the mountains was pretty devastating. Um, Acre after acre of pines and aspens were just black and charred to a crisp. It was really, really sad. And when we got up to the cabin and saw what was left of the beautiful forest um, that we knew up behind the cabin where the kids had spent countless hours playing and exploring, man, that was tough. But as we walked around and kind of surveyed the damage, my mother-in-law pointed out that if you looked out off the front porch of the cabin, everything was still green and the view was for the most part unchanged. And I just remember her saying, I've decided that from now on, I'm just going to look out the front of the cabin. And I love that. Um, This is a place that is so special to her. It's probably safe to say it's her favorite place in the whole world. And so for her to be able to focus her attention on what had been preserved instead of what had been lost was pretty remarkable to me. And so I'm really grateful for that lesson she taught me that day to, to look for and to focus on the good. Okay, well, that brings us to um, the third tip for building resilience. When you find yourself stuck in negative thoughts or emotions or behaviors, ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing helping me or is it hurting me? And this kind of goes back to the first principle we talked about, how we can kind of compound our suffering, right, by piling unnecessary negative emotion onto our pain. So if you are spending precious mental or emotional energy ruminating about your situation, um, complaining or venting to others, telling yourself that your life is unfair or that things should be different, you're probably not helping yourself or the situation. And this is a critical time to understand that you have a choice, right? Because sometimes we feel like we don't. Sometimes we have people agreeing with us that our situation is unfair or horrible or that it shouldn't be happening. 
and we feel totally justified in doing these things. But if you ask yourself that question, is what I'm doing helping or hurting me, you can usually get a pretty clear idea of whether what you are doing and what you are feeling is moving you forward or if it's hindering you. So here's an example of an experience I had with this in my own life a couple years ago. Um, Back in November of 2016, my mom was diagnosed with a very advanced stage of an extremely rare type of lymphoma. And over the course of the next 14 months, the doctors exhausted every avenue of surgery and chemo and radiation that was available for her. And by January of 2018, um, she seemed to be doing a little better. And for the first time since she'd been diagnosed, we all kind of breathed a little sigh of relief, hoping that she'd have a break from from all that medical stuff and that her poor little body could have some relief. And so for the first few weeks of January, things seemed to be going really well. But that last week, she started having some complications, and it turned out that the cancer had returned, and there wasn't anything else they could do for her. Well, she was placed on hospice just a few days later, and I found myself kind of dropping everything to go and be with her and the rest of my family. And so as I went through the motions of trying to pack and get everything squared away at home for the kids, things felt very heavy. And I remember one moment in particular, just feeling the weight of everything. And I could feel my mind kind of spinning out in thoughts of how hard this was and how I didn't want to be doing this and how this felt so unfair. And I could tell it was taking a toll on me and really just depleting my energy. And I remember one moment in particular just feeling so overwhelmed and I sat down and just wanted to curl up in a ball and cry but then I had the thought that this isn't what I needed to be doing right now and I recognized that dwelling on these thoughts um, were really draining my mental and emotional and physical energy and right then in that moment what I was doing was not helping me it was actually making it harder for me to do the things I wanted to do which were to get my house and my kids taken care of and get myself packed so I could leave and go be with her And in that moment, I wanted to choose different thoughts. And I remember it so clearly, just making that, you know, that decision to stop thinking, stop the thinking that was taking such a toll on me. And I know I talk about how it's important to process emotions and not to resist or distract from them. And believe me, um, I had and would continue to feel and process lots of grief. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the conscious decision to, first of all, recognize thoughts that weren't serving me and then to be very deliberate about what I wanted to think. It was a really powerful moment for me to realize that even in that heart-wrenching situation that I didn't want to be in, I had the choice about how I was going to feel and what was going to be helpful for me. So I shifted my thoughts to more positive, grateful thoughts, and I was able to be much more productive and get things done so I could feel good about leaving my house and my family and going to be with my mom in her final days. And then when I was with her, I was able to feel the whole range of emotions and process them. And I certainly let myself do that. But I was grateful for that experience to know that I could identify thoughts and feelings that weren't serving me and that I could shift into the ones that would help me to get the things done that I actually wanted to do. So that question is what I am doing or thinking or feeling, helping or hurting me, can really help you determine how you want to think or feel or act in a particular situation. It's okay to feel whatever you want to feel and to think whatever you want to think, but it's also important to acknowledge that you are creating your experience with them. Take responsibility for yourself. That's emotional adulthood, right? And doing this gives you the power to direct your own life. You no longer have to be a victim to your circumstances. You get to choose your own way. 
Okay, I know this is a lot of info coming at you today, but I really believe that these are some great ways of building resilience within ourselves. I know that practicing them in my own life has really helped me to feel more peace and hope in these very uncertain and somewhat unsettling times. I also want to let you know that I have a few spots in my schedule for some intensive calls, some free calls this week and next. If you would like to come and just be coached one-on-one, kind of do a brain dump. Um, I saw a quote the other day that I loved. It said that getting coached will change your life in ways that consuming content never will. And I firmly believe that. I've seen that in my life as I have worked with my own coaches. It's a very powerful and effective way to get to the root of your suffering and um, to figure out what to do about it. So if you'd like some clarity, if you like, if you think your mind could use some cleaning up, um, reach out to me. You can email me at Annette, A-N-N-E-T-T-E, at motherhoodelevated.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram. That's easy, Annette Jones Coaching. And we'll get you on the schedule. Okay, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you have a good week. I hope that you stay healthy, that you enjoy this time to slow down and have a little extra time with your families. Take care and I'll see you back again here soon. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to check out my website at motherhoodelevated.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session to see what working with me looks like, as well as find information on classes I offer or get on the list for some weekly inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's motherhoodelevated.com. Have a great week.